seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Everybody, AJ Capasso here, host of Talking with the Source. I'm here with my good friend today, Robin from Huffman Paranormal, or in AJ's case, it's Robin from Huffman Paranormal on Talking with the Source. And you can also find AJ on Craigslist. <laughs> anyway, and it begins, I should say, people. Anyway, we have um, some great stuff coming up today. We have an awesome, awesome guest. I'm looking forward to, um, you know, speaking with him and everything. We got to speak a little bit in the back. But first, um, I AJ, sorry, to... sorry. Did, did you get that job? What the job? one on Wayne's World that you were going for? No, I didn't get the Wayne's World job. I'm sorry. All right, okay. you know, sorry. But anyway, we want to give a huge thank you to Brian Laverty, um, Lex, everybody on the admin team over at Global Ghost Hunt. Um, we had a great first event in May. We have an event coming up also in October for this year. Um, so hurry up, register your team. Um, slots are open. So go to www.globalghosthunt.com. But other than that, right now, I want to introduce a um, great friend of ours. His name is Jude Fox. He is a producer, actor, and editor. And he's known for Interpersonal 2014, The Ungovernable Force 2015, and The Final Stage 2016. Let's bring him on right now. Jude, how are you, my friend? Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm wonderful. It's great to be on, guys. And please tell me I did not mess that uh, intro up for you. <laughs> uh, you know, only slightly, but, uh, but well, you know, we'll get over it. We'll get over that it. That doesn't uh, surprise me. No. No, not at all. With me working something, I, I tell you, you can't leave me in charge of anything. You just can't. Oh, God, the, the cap's on now. We're in trouble. That's it. The cap has to go on. You know, they say I look like Kevin Smith when my hair's out back like down, you know? So I yeah. get all my customers that say that. I don't know why. A little bit. A little bit there. Yeah. There you go. Thanks. Uh, you know, now I feel left out. I didn't bring a cap. Damn it. Oh, see? That's right. Next you, time. Next you, time. You should have prepped me with it. You should have prepped me <laughs> You know, um, AJ needs one of them ones that has the veil that comes down here as well to stop you from actually seeing them, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I definitely do. But Jude, I want to ask you, so what made you get into um, filmmaking in general? How did you get into it and all this stuff? Ah, uh, my goodness. All right. Well, going all the way back, I guess, uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to watch stuff. I used to see um, things like Godzilla movies and I was probably around four years old when I decided to make my own with a super eight camera and a bunch of toys. And my God, it must've been awful, but, uh, but that was my first foray into it nonetheless. And I've kind of had a love ever since, uh, when I got older, I got more into visual art. I took illustration. Um, I went to college for graphic design and, uh, after all that, I decided, uh, I really wanted to pursue filmmaking, which was something that I had always been interested in and went back to school for that. And, uh, and here we are. That is awesome. That is absolutely awesome. If you don't want me asking, whereabouts did you go to school for learning film? Uh, well, I went to a, <laughs> a little multimedia school, which is uh, now debunked or not debunked, de defunct, defunct, defunct. defunct. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it, it's not here anymore. 
Um, but uh, but it, that was in Manhattan. And, um, you know, I've, uh, I've always been a New York based kind of guy, uh, uh, at least most of my life. I was born here, uh, raised, spent most of my days, uh, kind of like Will Smith in Philly, but we don't talk about him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Unless we want to get slapped. We don't talk about him. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, well, you know, I'll talk about his wife, but like, let's well, say, yeah, you know, yeah, it yeah. just depends on where you want to go with it. Yeah. Well, I can't because I'm over the water. He's got to come the whole way over here to get me. So yeah. I'll talk Crash you know what I mean? There you go. So, well, yeah, just just hello to Joshua Dixon. Sorry, go ahead. What you were saying, Jude? Apologies. I, oh, no, no. I, I said I'm a little bit bigger of a guy, I think, than uh, Chris Rock. So, you know, I'm not really scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there let, you. let him come after me. Poor Chris Rock, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? But um, what I wanted to ask you was, what is one of um, what, what was one of your most significant um, films that you did make um, say in the beginning. Uh, all right. Well, you know, it's kind of difficult because most of my films that I've been involved with are still pretty underground, pretty uh, independent. Yeah. Um, there's quite a few uh, direct-to-video, direct-to-DVD kind of things. Um, I, uh, I worked on a, on a documentary. I would say when you're talking my most significant, I did a short documentary with a good friend of mine who's passed away. Uh, so. called um, Heaven Sent. And um, that was about um, the, uh, the LBGTQ and lesbian community in uh, Chelsea. And um, about some, we followed some girls around uh, from that. And uh, that did pretty well at some of the festivals. Mm -hmm. And uh, that still holds a big place in my heart, both uh, for the message and uh, for my filmmaker friend, uh, Gucci Man, who is no longer with us. Sorry to hear us. Sorry no. about your question. Yeah. Um, Sorry about But, uh, you know, and I've pretty much, uh, I've done quite a, quite a few different genres at this point. Um, you know, and I think my main thing right now is looking to uh, go from that smaller level of more production to, um, to really... Uh, both producing as well as writing and directing uh, a feature of my own, which is, is really awesome. where I'm focused on getting to right now. Awesome. I can't wait to check it out. That's going to be something great down the road to check out for sure. So everybody watching for sure, check it out. Um, Absolutely. But I was going to go ahead, Robin, I'll let you ask. Go ahead. Well, I'm just going to start off by saying hello to Joshua Dixon uh, that's watching and hello to Stacy Reed from yeah, Beyond the Wall Paranormal. Hey, uh, just want to want to ask you, Jude. Really, how you how you managed to uh, get into the paranormal? Uh, and obviously, obviously, you're not like in in the paranormal like we are, but right. you've got a certain a certain interest, you would say, in the paranormal. And how does that go along with your uh, your filmmaking and stuff like that? So, I think my interest in the paranormal is. <clears throat> Definitely uh, interesting and will be interesting probably for you guys to understand because um, I'm definitely coming at things probably from a slightly different perspective. And uh, that is that uh, most of my life I've, uh, I've considered myself uh, an agnostic atheist uh, as well as a skeptic. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, you know, very hard to convince of things. Uh, yeah. That being said, I'm always fascinated by what might be out there and looking for things. Uh, once again, that would be the agnosticism within me. 
um, you know, that is a lack of knowledge. Uh, And I've definitely experienced a few things, which even with a relatively scientific thinking brain and a logical sensibility that I can't explain. Um, I had lived in a house uh, for maybe about a year, which, uh, which I experienced a lot of things that the best explanations I could come up with could not answer to to my liking um just things such as um you know i would put a coffee cup down and and it was a large house i lived alone uh so i would put a coffee cup down in the kitchen and you know walk to the bathroom and come back and just not be able to find it and um maybe a week later i would find it in an empty bedroom on a shelf somewhere um or i had uh things just fall off of shelves while i was standing there a few times um, and you know, I would check it and I'm like, well, maybe there's seismic activity, you know, mm. you never know, you know, this, yep. house, this house is on Long Island and we have a little bit. Um, but no, no, there was no sign of that. Um, you know, uh, I would hear scratching that I couldn't explain, um, you know, noises, which again, there may be explanations. I'm not saying there's not, I'm not saying there is, I no, just yeah. don't know what it is. Um, and it's kind of kept me open-minded, um. And then uh, the strangest part of, of living in that location was um, a small crawl space um, in the back of the basement under a extended part of the house where um, there, when I moved in, it was just flat. In fact, uh, whoever was there before had put like garbage, pretty much, you know, right. like, a, like an old Christmas tree and things like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, yeah. it like shoved into the crawl space. And I'm like, well, I'm not crawling back there getting it out. Yeah. And uh, over the course of a few months, maybe, and over the year, uh, there, the floor had begun to dip down there uh, to the point where there was a hole, which I couldn't see down anymore. Wow. And um, I would always get a weird feeling over there and never actually explored it. Because, mm. uh, you know, I, I kind of... Uh, lifted myself up a couple times to look in and I'm like, no, no, no. Mm, yeah. Uh, I, I'm getting a bad feeling. Um, yeah. and, uh, I had a couple of, I'll leave friends. that one alone. Yeah, yeah. I had a couple other friends, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a good friend of mine, um, who, who's like my little sister. She came over once and she's like, Oh, I'm not scared of anything. I'll go look. Uh, you know, I'm like, all right. So I picked her up by one hand, you know, one arm and started, you know, holding her up into it. And she, she got about halfway and she was, she, push back she just scurried back she's like nope nope she's like wow. I, I she's like no there's some it feels weird wow. so um you know like that um living there definitely made me say well there might be more to the world than i can explain it doesn't mean i know what the explanation is or the reason yeah. or the answer but um i'm open-minded to it and I, yeah. i'm always curious about finding more you know, it's so great that you, you have that outlook, though, like even have an agnostic outlook. I think that's so great. Um, for me, I grew up Christian and, you know, I ended up uh, having a near death experience. I was a drug addict and I overdosed 12 times. Last time I overdosed, I left my body, had some things happen. Thank the Lord I'm still here and everything is great. And I got past that, luckily. Um, yeah, but uh, thank you. Um, but, you know, it's great to have that kind of skepticism the way that you do, because 
I try to tell people who are skeptical, like I don't try to word it to them in a religious way or in a what we would call fairy tale way with angels, demons, because someone who's skeptic and agnostic is not going to even listen to that if you're trying to talk to them because, you know, they're not unless it's something that they could relate to. They're probably not going to pay that much attention. So I try to like, you know, talk to the skeptics and stuff and try to, you know, tell, ask them, like, do you believe in energy? Obviously, you know, scientific energy, like electromagnetic energy, all this type of stuff that we know. And I believe that there's more. And I believe that, you know, our bodies, we are all energy down to the purest molecular form, like between kinetic energy that we produce and all this thermogenic energy that we produce. And that energy has to go somewhere. So I try to put it in that type of perspective instead of putting it in like a religious perspective to see if it may help them. But in reality, you have to have your own experience to actually believe, you know, otherwise you're never really truly believe in my, in my opinion. But what, what do you think yeah. about it? I, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, I, uh, I definitely read a lot. I read a lot of uh, both, both theological as well as um, occult type yeah. of books uh, because it, again, it's something I've just always been fascinated with um, yeah. seeing all the different sides and the perspectives and the history and um, a, an author who I happen to be very fond of is um, a, uh, a magician uh, and when I use the term magician, uh, I mean, not an illusionist, um, but somebody who believes themselves to be, you know, a yeah. practitioner of the magical arts. Um, and he is also, um, I can't recall right the second if he has a PhD in it mm. from like, uh, and you know, I, I don't want to misquote exactly what his credential is, but I, I know he has a degree uh, from a, an accredited school and his name is... Um, P.I.E. Boneweights, or uh, Philip Isaac Edmund Boneweights, I believe. Um, and uh, he, he had written a, a, a book on yellow magic, mm. and uh, which is essentially uh, psychological magic. And I had read that when I was fairly young, you know, maybe like 12. Um, yeah. And uh, part of how he describes his concept of magic is... Um, very much in the Crowley sensibility of that um, any willful act is a magical act. Uh, however, he uh, he defines it a little bit more specifically mm. in terms of uh, it being something that cannot be necessarily explained through modern scientific understanding. Um, but but pretty much that it does have a basis in science. We just don't understand what that is or how to necessarily control it by other means. Yeah. And I was always kind of fascinated by that way of looking at, at yeah. the possibility. Yeah, absolutely. When now, you say, sorry, when you say, uh, we call it Crowley something? Uh, yeah. Alistair Crowley, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Alistair Crowley because yeah. I'm, I'm actually uh, going to be doing one of his houses that's over here. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, so uh, I have a lot of mixed feelings about Crowley. Yeah. yeah well, as, we as a lot have of us a, do about Crowley, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, we, right. we have a, we have another uh, co-host that hosts sometimes, AJ Johnny, yep. uh, and she's actually coming over here because she's actually researched and studied this guy. And when I said about doing his house, it was like I've got to do that. And a lot of people go up there and 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 do do stuff, but it's like it's so remote. It's unbelievable. And I, the last time I was actually down there, it's in Cornwall. The last time I was down there looking for it, I actually got myself 
lost huh. and, and, a, and, a, and a load of like woods and stuff. And this was like half 11 at night. I was on my own and I was, I was looking for this house and I got myself lost in these woods and it was like you were being watched from everywhere. Yeah. As much as I was enjoying it in a sick way, I was enjoying it. I thought, well, if there's if there's shit like this about, it's not the place you want to be alone. You, you know what's crazy, though, Jude, is that I feel like a lot of people, especially people who don't read about Aleister Crowley or look into any of this stuff, I feel a lot of people have this, like, weird, like, they don't really quite understand what his whole thing was about. I, a lot of people that I talk to, are like, yeah, he's into sacrificing, you know, this and sacrificing that. And I get some of the things he did, you know, that mm -hmm. were questionable in that occult yeah. type area. But it's also, you know, he was so much about the anarchy type too, you know. So it was like a lot of people don't really look at that part. They look at the more, you know, the uh, hell side of it, you know. Like I said, I, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about him, actually. Yeah. Uh, there are things that I respect and like very much. And there are things that I'm like... Ooh, yeah. that's no no that's pushing it way yeah. too far you know and yeah, of course yeah. you know i definitely wouldn't live the way he lived you know i yeah, just yeah. Re read diary of a drug fiend but um mm -hmm. uh you know uh he's definitely kind of misunderstood and he's very much responsible for a lot of that as well though because yeah. once um once his persona started to uh to really click with the public he delved into it you know he was one of the first influencer types from from that era you know to, yeah. to use a modern term uh where he just you know he you know he said oh you're gonna call me the beast i'll be the beast i'll tattoo 666 on my forehead here you go oh yeah you know, I'll, I'll, I'll shave it i'll i'll do this i'll do that i'll i'll present i will live that life and um you know he, he uh i it's hard to say how much of him was genuine and how much mm. was, you know, kind of Andy Kaufman-esque. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he definitely did go to extremes. There's no question yeah. about that. Yeah. But, uh, again, just an interesting character. Oh, totally. 100%. Robin, you have anything you want to ask or can I keep going? No, no what I'm doing is I'm actually looking. I had a, a, a thing on here uh, where I had four pictures that were taken of the house, and, and uh, I was gonna, I was gonna send the Jude to let him see it. Uh, it, it's, it's so remote, and you actually, when you read about the guy, and you think to yourself, well, I understand why that he, that he had a house in such a remote place, because you know, it's like. No. Uh, I'm sorry, I think I sneezed. Uh, just, uh, yeah, okay. sorry, sorry. Yeah. So, AJ, just ask away while I find this. Yeah, no problem. Um, one thing I wanted to get into, as I already kind of did with the filmmaking type mm -hmm. stuff, I asked you this in the back. Um, yeah. You know, what is one of your favorite cameras to use? Now, I know you told me one, the main one, but go into DSLR as well after you tell us what the one you told me in back. Okay. Um, well, yeah, uh, I, would, uh, I would generally, you know, given any opportunity to shoot on a red, um, you know, uh, that being said, uh, uh, as I was mentioning to you behind the scenes, uh, there are plenty of DSLRs that are pretty good. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I worked on a film, um, a short film that we shot with a DSLR. I can't recall exactly what model we used right this second. Mm. Um, if it 
clicks, uh, I'll let you know. But um, more often than not, I will uh, usually have a brief discussion with um, whichever uh, cinematographer I'm working with. And mm -hmm. uh, I usually want my cinematographers to be comfortable with the the camera we're using more than I'm concerned about myself. Uh, yeah. I tend to look for a certain level, uh, whether I'm a producer or a director on it. Um, and I really, I prefer directing than producing, although uh, I end up producing more than I direct. Mm. Uh, however, uh, whichever role I'm in, it's, it's really just a tool to me to get the best shots we can get, you know, um, yeah. not, not necessarily something that I will get into the, the nitty gritty of as much. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I will go over it and make sure to review it and have an understanding of whatever it is we're using at the time. Now, I could picture you on set and I could picture you like running around doing all the jobs because I could just picture you being like me, like a perfectionist, like, no, this person isn't going to do it the way that I want it done and I have to do it this way, you know? I just picture that in you, my friend. I don't know why. It, uh, it, it depends on the set. It depends on the set. Uh, if, uh, on a good set, to be honest, uh, if everybody is doing their job and knows their job, there's always a little bit of that, but for the most part, you'll be like, all right, you know, I know, you know, my, my lighting crew can do this. My, uh, my camera crew can do that. My, uh, my grips are capable of moving all this stuff where it needs to be, you know, uh, I just have to do whatever it is. My role is on that. Whether I'm uh, whether I'm producing, whether I'm directing, whether I'm doing a combination of it, uh, you know, whether I've done like AC on certain things, you know, or um, AD on certain things, uh, you know, like if I'm an AD, I'm look just I'm there, I'm looking at the schedule, I'm keeping everything on track, you know, I'm telling the director, hey, you know, we got to move it along, you know, uh, lunch yeah. is coming up, and we gotta we gotta have the the next crew reset the the, the scene for this, so. Uh, you know, it really just depends on uh, on keeping focus on, on whatever it is. No, definitely. I, I've sent you both those those photographs of Alistair Crowley's house. All right. Yeah, we'll ch I'll check them after. I can't check it right at the moment, but yeah. Yeah, I'll, I've got my equipment off right now. But uh, well, that, cool. that's absolutely great. Yeah. I um I wanted to ask you, have you um. With you being like you obviously uh, edit your stuff, correct? Obviously, um, it it depends on what it is. Again, you know, okay. um, I once again I probably fall into editing more than I really Want would to. like to. Yeah, uh, just out of necessity. But um, yeah. but when I edit, ask away. No, yeah. What, what the reason what I was yeah. going to say was, is I could see as being a skeptic in the paranormal, um, mm -hmm. with the paranormal, um, being a filmmaker, knowing what you can do nowadays with film, or I mean, with mm -hmm. the camera, you know, and with editing, you yeah. know, um, does that play a big role in, in you feeling as a skeptic, too? Uh, I think it, as a filmmaker, if I'm watching a lot of... Um, a lot of things like uh, a number of shows, particularly ones that are on the sci-fi channel and a few others that I, yeah. that I've checked out. Um, a lot of times, if you know what to look for, you will see tricks that are being used to keep things mm -hmm. more interesting. And you go, Oh wait, you know, this shot that they're cutting to was clearly done at a different time than this other shot. And they're making it look like it's part of the same scene. 
so I, there, there's a lot of that that clearly happens. Um, I, I guess, yeah, I, I definitely can't disassociate from that. Uh, so I do look for it. And when I find it, that's when I go, all right, I might tune out of this, uh, this particular show. Uh, but you know, if, if I'm not finding that, then that's when I'm more interested. You're muted, AJ, which is sometimes better. Yeah, oh, well, sometimes better. Um, what I was going to say, though, was is for Robin, for example, when he goes out and he shoots, he shoots one consecutive shot to keep it raw so that mm -hmm. the audience will obviously do that. But what I've noticed, too, is it gets kind of boring almost because mm -hmm. you're not having those shots. So, yep. but then you're stuck between that thing, like like we were just talking about, yeah. like, well, if you're doing jump cuts or something, is that messing, you know, are you tricking yeah. people? So it's so such a hard field to like try and show the proof, you know? You're definitely damned if you do, damned if you don't to a certain extent. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what I would recommend to someone um would probably be something more to the effect of um, I would always use multiple cameras yeah. if I'm doing that kind of a shoot. I would still use multiple cameras. Um, however, if something interesting is happening, something that maybe means something, um, I would make sure in the edit that uh, we keep a long take for that and we never cut away from it. Yeah. Um, and then if, uh, if you get an event of some variety on multiple angles. Yeah. Um, I would then go back and show the entire thing from multiple angles afterwards, but I would make mm -hmm. sure to present my audience with a full long take of that. And when I say a long take, that could be, you know, 10 seconds before the event and 10 seconds after it, you know, yeah. so you might have a 25 second, you know, or 20 second yeah. roughly, a bit, you know, because something could be quick. So, yeah. but, so it's not going to be, you know, five minutes or three minutes or two minutes even, you know, it might be yeah. 20 seconds, which is a long take when you're oh, watching yeah. something. Um, yeah. It's a long shot rather. Uh, but I, I would definitely show it in, in that way so yeah. that um, somebody like me watching or, you know, somebody else that is uh, skeptical in any sense, whether they're a skeptic or just, you know, looking closely that, that is still a form of skepticism um will not be able to pick it apart like that i totally completely understand that's awesome that's a great yeah. way of going about it go ahead robin no i was just going to say quickly uh charles rudd asked was that the house that black sabbath bought as far as i know it wasn't alistair crowley had two houses in the uk he had one in the north of Scotland, which I think is the one Black Sabbath bought. Uh, the one in the south of England in Cornwall is quite a small farmhouse. Uh, as far as I know, there was uh, the last people who lived in it was an old couple, but it's, it's fallen apart now. The one in Scotland, I think, is still pretty intact. So I think it's that one. And uh, hello to Mark Lee. We'll see him later on. Definitely. So but I was going to say... I was just going to, I was going to say to, to Jude that AJ used to call me a bitch. Well, he still does, but he used to call me a bitch for uh, for not editing my material. But what I found was I used to leave all my all my stuff raw from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And 
I attempted one time to edit one of my videos and some of my subscribers actually messaged me and went, no, we like yours raw. We like yours left from start to finish and, and left raw from, from the get-go. So that's why I was I was obviously I was leaving Mang Raw. Okay. Start yeah. with. But like you say, you're you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because you get people yeah. who say, Well, I don't like it like that, you know, and then other ones who they think that you're just, you know, fake and stuff if you're cutting bits out and things. So Well, so the way I would look at it is that first of all, um, a couple of opinions mean very little. Yeah, I uh, you know um, you will always get dissenting opinions, no matter what it is. You know, um, it doesn't matter how great a a shoot is, a you know a YouTube video, a TV show, or a film. You know, um, yeah. you know take a take something like Titanic. I can't stand fucking Titanic, <laughs> and it's it's a brilliant film, but I can't yeah. I can't watch the bloody thing. No. So you know. Um, like, it, there's always going to be dissenting opinions. You know, I'm not saying it's bad, but yeah. I can't watch What's it. it about? So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, so, so, so don't pay too much oh. attention to a few opinions. You know, if there's a mass consensus, yeah, that's different. Um, mm. if, if there's somebody that you trust as a critic, that's different. Um, like when I write a screenplay, I'll send it to a few people for feedback yeah. before. I rewrite it because I'll always rewrite it a few times before I actually show it, show it to most people. Mm. And, uh, and like, I have a few trusted people and I'll, and even them, you know, they'll give me notes and I'll go, oh, okay, I see this. I agree with it. Or, uh, yeah. you know what? I see what they're saying, but I, I, I don't agree with that. And yeah. I'm going to leave it how I'm going to leave it because it's mine. Yeah. And so you really have to have a vision of what it is you want going in. And then take those opinions for what they're worth and figure out for yourself what makes sense to to take to heart and what makes sense to just, you know, push aside and be like, look, I respect it, but no. Definitely. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree with that. And you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's hard to not look at the comments at the same time, yeah. you know, when you, when you put a video out on YouTube. and. Yep. No, but you're absolutely right. You know, it's your material, and it, if you're happy with it, that's the biggest main part, you know? Yeah. So I, I, totally I, I had done a podcast as well uh, a few months ago, and, uh, you know, we, we got some mixed opinions, but, um, you know, we kind of went with what I just said in terms of, uh, of taking some to heart, you know, and when we got mass feedback saying, you know... Uh, you know, you're making too many, uh, too many sexual jokes here about, uh, yeah. about, the, uh, about the dwarfs of Moria. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, like, you know, I was like, okay, maybe I'll pull that back a little bit. But, yeah. you know, uh, for the most part, like, you know, it's just a matter of finding that balance. Yeah. No, definitely. I, I think that's, I think that's absolutely awesome to, uh, you know, have, have that outlook because a lot, it's like I said, it's very hard to have that outlook when you, put something out there and all of a sudden you get this like you know a couple people that have this bad negative outlook on your stuff and you're like you know you beat yourself up kind of a little bit you know so it's great that you have the confidence you know in yourself and you're just like you know what screw everybody else i have my couple people that i i care about as critics other than that i'm happy with my work and that's all that matters and i think that that's so important and um absolutely awesome 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, but uh, it is up to you in the end, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Because it's your, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna take you're gonna do it whatever way you want to do it. You're gonna take people's opinions on board, but like, like you say, that they're not the ones that are doing it. You know, if you don't believe that I should be editing my videos, then you go and make videos and do that yourself. Or if you believe that I should be editing videos, then you go and make videos and you edit them. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and leave it that way. When it comes to the edit, um. The edit is really just about whether you're comfortable doing an edit. Not everyone is. Mo you know, most people really aren't. A lot of people will do it, but they are deep down not comfortable doing it, even though they say they are. Yeah. And, you know, they, there's a lot of bad edits out there for all kinds of videos. So yeah. if, you, if you think someone else is better to edit your videos, by all means, I say, you know, take a step back. Sometimes that helps. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you're too close, you know, to see what the issues may be. Um, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees, so to speak. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I'm definitely all about that. You know, um, I incidentally, totally you know, I, I was going to say, by the way, so if it wasn't clear, the, uh, the podcast that I was on was, um, a review show for, uh, the Amazon primes rings of power series. Oh, okay. The, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, to be honest to this day, don't care how much negative feedback I got. I think that watching Galadriel on the horse, I think she was getting something out of it she wasn't supposed to be. And I, I don't care what anyone says. I'm, I'm standing by that one. AJ, you're muted again. I'm muted again. Yes, you uh, are. Sick, I man, really. You, you know what? It, it, it's Freudian. He believes he wants, he, he should be. He's just doing you know, it, you know. It's like being handcuffed to a maniac here, Jude. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't know, uh, honestly. I try. I try. <laughs> yeah, um, you're, you're I, very trying. What I want to ask you, though, Drew, um, I yep. noticed that obviously you've also acted as well. Yep. Tell a, me, how long bit. have you done that? Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I, I did some stage classes when I was young. Um, I, uh, I've done little bits off and on, uh, cameos, things like that. Um and uh, in terms of actual, uh, like, film or stuff that you'd find on my IMDb, uh, probably since the early 2000s, um, you know, I, I've really been trying to, you know, be in what I can be in. Um, I, I don't consider myself a lead or anything like that. You know, I'm just happy to do little cameos and uh, little bits and pieces and, you know, get out there. Um but uh, but again, if it, you know, if uh, someone offers me something, I'm not one to turn down too much. You know, I'm uh, yeah. I'm very greedy about it. I'll be like, oh, okay, you know, you, you want me to do what? Oh, okay, you know, there's nude scene. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, let me think about it. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's one of those. <laughs> oh, I think oh, I thought you froze for a sec. Oh, that's too funny though, man. That's great. Um, I tell you what, though, you have to, you know, you have to get yourself out there like that, I think. Yeah. And I think it's important to do that. And, um, you know, tell me, though, if there's one filmmaker that mm -hmm. you could work with, who would it be? Oh, one filmmaker I could work with. Um, you had to ask that question, AJ, I, didn't I, you? No, 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 it's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, I would probably right now. Um want to work with Robert Eggers. Ooh, um, nice. You know, uh, I, I think, uh, 
e- even though uh, I don't think his latest one, unless I'm wrong, has come out. But um, you know, the uh, the limited filmography he's got with uh, the witch and then the lighthouse, which is just mind-blowingly yeah. amazing. Um, you know, uh, with just a hint of Lovecraft in it. Um, and, uh, and then the Northman blew me away and, uh, you know, I think, uh, he really should have gotten a little more Oscar love for that one. Um, I, I just think he's, he's absolutely amazing and, uh, and I really want to see where his career goes right now. So yeah, uh, that'd be my choice. That is awesome. No, I've I've got to ask you, Jude, right? No, hold on. Hold hold on. Robin, take over for a sec. I just have to, I have to change things because my connection is getting all screwy. So just take over for a second for me. Sorry, Jude. Give me a second. Oh, go ahead. He obviously needs needs to uh, change his woman's underwear he's wearing. But anyway, sometimes they get messy. I'm I'm not. I don't judge. Oh, you don't know what he's like. He's terrible for it. But. (laughs) Um, I'm just speaking from personal experience. What can I tell you? you know? Well, yeah, you don't want to see him then. But I just want to ask you what your opinions are on a certain person. There's a there's a certain person that I've wanted to get on this podcast, and I think I think today uh-huh. I've actually found the right page for the person. So I've messaged the person to try and find out because okay. I love to pick. I'm going to I'm going to give you a clue. I'm going to love to pick his brain. Okay. But I'm waiting on a word back and if I can get word back and I can get this guy on the podcast, I'd be over the moon. So, Stephen King. Oh. I look, I mean, Stephen Sorry. King is Yeah, just before you go any further, if you're in the, on the very very off chance, mm-hmm. Stephen King that you're actually watching this podcast, Hit me up. I need to get you on here. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I was going to say, I mean, look, you know, who would not have Stephen King on if they could? Uh, I, I, he's a living legend. Um, he is definitely an author who is both influential and someone who I, you know, I've followed since I was a child. Um, and I think his ability as a writer has increased with age exponentially i think his later works are just uh so much more phenomenal than some of his earlier works not to put anything down about some of his earlier stuff but um just uh his his writing style and ability has just grown year after year and um and he's still kicking it out so um yeah yeah i mean you know, and and by the way, his son um, Joe Hill, also really terrific. You know, and, and finally coming into his own. Um, did you hear all that, AJ? I did. I, uh, you know what? I, you know what? One of my favorite my favorite directors are man. Not to switch or, or what we were just talking about Stephen King, but Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Love Scorsese movies. I don't know what it is. Um, him and then um, who's the other one that I love too? He did uh, the Django. Is that Scorsese as well? Uh, Django? Yeah. Uh, who did Django? Was, the, the, no, no, that, that was Tarantino. Tar- there you go. And, and, unless you're thinking of the original Django. I mean, Tarantino did Django Unchained. No, yeah, that's what I mean. The, the 70s. I believe that if, if you had If you had a podcast and you had Stephen King and Quentin Tarantino on the same podcast, I think I'd come off that mind blown. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Are you kidding me? But, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean this in the nicest possible way. I really do. But no. the, 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 there's, you know. Oh, no, they, they both put me to shame. You can, you can say it. Go ahead. I'm fine. No, no it's not that. I just, it's, I'm trying to think of how I can say this without offending anybody. But I remember, I remember watching a movie one time. I can't remember which one it was. And they were talking about gadgets for, for satellites that can destroy things. And, and I remember someone saying, normal people don't make these because someone had said, oh, this guy's not normal. And, and someone's answer to that was, normal people do not make things like this. And, but that was in the nicest possible way. That's not calling someone like abnormal. You know what I mean? No, well, you know what? Um, it's like it's, those two. Wow. It, it, it's very fair to say that normal people do not make great art. Yeah. No, I, right. I, will, I will say that and I will stand by it. Yeah. You know what? The weird kids are the best kids because they're the most creative people. I mean, I was a weird kid in school, man, and I loved it. I loved it because I was always so creative. I'm a guitarist. What so happened to you, man? Well, I'm still weird. I'm still weird. You just mentioned about him changing his underwear. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, you had to tell that on air. I can't believe it. Anyway, well, real quick. Wait, hold on real quick. Joshua and anyone else watching, if you would like to ask Jude a question, please put it in the comments. We'll put it up on the screen and we'll get it answered for you. But go ahead, Robin. Yeah, AMA. <laughs> AMA, yeah. Oh, go oh, ahead, AJ. I can't even look at you seriously oh, now. Listen, I told you about wearing thongs. Here's one promise that I will definitely make to you, Jude. If that yes, ever sir. happens where we have someone like Stephen King come on or some major person, you will be on as our guest host 100%. I will we be will honest, sir. You're part of it, my friend. I'm trying with Stephen King, by the way. I'm trying. Uh, this guy, man, lands guests that I couldn't even fathom. I don't know how he does it. When I when I email them, I swear to God, Jude, they don't even answer my emails. It must be his accent and him coming from the UK. They must love that shit because they my hate him. <laughs> I tell you, it's so sad, man. But Jude, one thing I yep. wanted to ask you um, was, <laughs> so what is your okay? So this is kind of hard to say, but what is your favorite oh. shot? Um, I, it's kind of hard to say that because there's so many shots that you do in a movie or in mm -hmm. a you know independent film. Yeah. But um, say for f stop wise, for you know close up, or do you like uh, the background being shown a lot? Like, what's your favorite shot if you had one? Um. So I, I think I think the question that you're trying to get to is like a sort of a a signature shot. Thank you. Um, I couldn't think of the name. Like, yeah. um, like for example, uh, you know, uh, Tarantino, one of his signature shots is that trunk shot, you know, yep. with, with the camera looking at the trunk. Uh, I mean that, or, you know, some woman's feet, but, uh, so let me think what kind of a shot do I really like? Um, you know what, whenever I get a chance, uh, and it, it they're, hard to work in but um i'm a big fan of something called the zolly shot okay i've and heard of it i don't know what it is what though. i'll explain what it is um one of the uh very famous uses for it is uh uh spielberg uses it in jaws when brody is at the beach um oh, and it's yeah. when the camera is physically pushing in but the focus remains on the person in the foreground 
or it'll remain on the background, one or the other. And what that will do when um, when it's done correctly is uh, it will cause the um, the background to either appear to um, zoom in or like zoom in or yeah. zoom out. Yep. But the uh, the subject will stay the same size yeah. or vice versa, where the subject will get smaller, but the background will get, um, you know, yeah. the background will remain the same size and the subject will get bigger. I know, exactly. And, I know um, exactly what you're talking about. It's when it's done right and used sparingly, it's one of my favorite shots. And uh, I, I, I just think it's it's absolutely beautiful and when it's done wrong it's cheesy and campy and makes it look like a b-film so it it can go either way but that's that's probably if i have to pick a type of shot that that would be the one i would i would choose that is awesome that is awesome what's your opinion jude on on movies now i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give you an example here this one is one of my favorite movies but the first time I watched it, I didn't understand it one bit. But when I watched it the second time, it fell into place. Okay. And I'm talking about Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. So starting a movie uh, at uh, the uh, end. Uh, a movie I saw nine times in the theater. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, but one that starts at the end and ends at the start and jumps mm-hmm. about like that all through and doesn't make sense at all the first time you watch it. But the second time you watch it, you're like, Wow. Um, it, I, I mean, that's that's really just a style of non-sequential storytelling. And although uh, I can't think offhand, I know it, it's been used in literature. Um, it, it's been used in plays. It's been used throughout history to tell stories. It's just more prevalent in film now. Hmm. Um, but um, I, I do like non, non-sequential storytelling. I haven't done a whole lot of it myself, but uh, I, I can be quite fond of it. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's very, it's very. Again, it's very clever if it's used properly, like you say. Mm-hmm. Like you take, you take for instance the first Die Hard film. You couldn't start that movie with him coming out the building at the end, and then and then jump really. You know what? You, I, I I disagree. I I think I could totally re-edit that movie and make it work like that. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Challenge accepted. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying I have time to do that, but <laughs> I, I, I think that it's it's possible to to do that. Um, uh, I think um, I'm trying to think of something where that would not work in. Um, I think it, I think it works in most things. Um, I think in comedy that can be tough because mm. comedy relies and not impossible still. Um, yeah. it, but comedy relies on specific setup and payoff uh as does drama and other things but uh to land a joke uh you would need to basically rearrange the way the joke is set up in order Mm. for it to land properly like that so you couldn't although you could do it in the scripting phase i don't think you could necessarily do like re-edit a film non-sequentially and make it work with a lot Mm. of comedies Um, but I think with most other genres, it could like, um, I think you could probably re-edit one of my favorite films of all time. Like who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, Mm. um, which is a melodrama and, but you could re-edit that 
And you could make that work non-sequentially. It would be tough, but I, I, I feel you could do it. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, Citizen Kane is close to non-sequential. It, it is sequential, but but it's close the way it jumps around in time. So again, you could definitely edit that, and 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 it's actually not completely sequential because uh, you know it essentially opens at the end, if I if I if, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, th that, that would qualify as non-sequential, you know, e even one of, even if it's just one scene out of sequence, it is yeah. that it's just a matter of how far you're pushing the envelope really. Wow. What about movies that are action literally the whole way through? Are they not going to be harder? Like I'll give you an example. For instance, if you take a movie that's all about the one bit of action speed, Mm-hmm. So is, is a movie like that not going to be harder to, to do that with because it's not really about, like, you know, there's not really bits and pieces where there's nothing. It's always about the guy on the bus, for instance. You know what I mean? Is um, movies like that not going to be harder to... Okay, well, part of doing non-sequential and doing it well is knowing whether it means that you're just, uh, for example, reversing the, the storytelling order. Uh, which is a little different than actually jumping around back and forth. Um, when you reverse something, um, like I, I think a movie like Speed would not work if you just reversed its sequence, if you just inverted the sequence. Um, however, if you pulled certain pieces out of it and told it in a different yeah. order, I think it, yeah. again, potentially could work. I'm not saying it definitely would. And yeah, yeah. I think it would definitely depend on who's editing, how that works, and what have you. But I think it, it has the potential to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. No, that is absolutely great. I um, and, I, I uh, I'm sorry. To... I was going to say uh, one of a uh, movie that I absolutely love. If if, uh, if you haven't seen it or if your, your, your listeners haven't seen it, um, is not an easy movie to watch. But um, uh, the movie uh, Irreversible is definitely one to check out. Um, we'll have to check it out. It's a uh, oh, I can't think of his name, Gasper something or other. Um, but uh, it uh, it has stars uh, Monica Bellucci, and uh, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's basically a revenge film that is told be uh, end to beginning. Oh wow! Um, and it, it's it's a tough watch. Mm. It's considered a tough watch, um, in part because uh, the uh, the soundtrack is actually designed to kind of make you sick. Oh, okay. Hey, uh, it, 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 it uses yes. There we uh, go. So, uh, it, so it makes it you know certain scenes particularly uncomfortable for the yeah. viewer, but that's part of the experience. Yeah. Um, and and again, it, it's definitely uh, worth checking out, even if. You end up not being a big fan. I, I recommend it uh, as part of just film history, and uh, even though it's not that old, it, it's landed a place. And uh, when we're talking non-sequential, once again, that's not necessarily non-sequential. It's reverse sequence, but um, but definitely well, uh, interesting film and worth checking out. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. I'm gonna definitely check that out because I haven't actually seen a reverse. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to ask you before we go um, mm -hmm. is, I want to ask. Um, 
Man, I just had the question in my head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is there anything that you can talk, speak about that you're working on or that we can look forward to seeing of yours coming out soon? Uh, well, um, I don't know how soon. Um, I, uh, I did just shoot a small role for an for a indie horror film. Uh, but once again, that's, you know, that's just a little bit. Um, in terms of my own actual work, um, I uh, I think it plays into the whole podcast and the paranormal thing uh, and something you had asked me early on about how um, maybe my experiences and the paranormal and my interest in it uh, influence some of my work. Yeah. And uh, what I'm working on right now is um, a uh, series of, of scripts um, which are basically designed to be a, a, a cinematic universe, essentially. Okay. Uh, and the concept of them is they are uh, all horror films. However, uh, they jump genres or jump subgenres from film to film and oh, yet are interconnected uh, with characters reemerging and popping up and things like that. And um, the overarching um, mythology to that is uh, is very much uh, Lovecraftian. Mm. So uh, there's a heavy slant on cosmic horror and oh, um, entities possibly uh, looking to enter our universe and, oh, you know, true. do wonderful things to it. No, no, of course they want to destroy it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so uh, so I'm working on that, um, as well as uh, I've got a um, a book that goes along with it, which um, I am finishing up uh, a a draft on right now, uh, uh, the second or third draft right now. Awesome. And uh, and the book is essentially um, the Bible of the universe. It is uh, all of the mythology of it from a uh, beginning of history you know, to uh, oh. end times prophecies. And it's a, uh, it's like a full book. Um, yeah, you know, awesome. I can't like wait. To check nice, it out. you know, 300, 350 pages to, oh. to get through of dense reading. I'm sure people are going to love that. But, um, but uh, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, there's again, a big influence on uh, magic and, um, you know, paranormal, the other side um, that, story I told you about my own experiences in the house. Yeah. Um, I've got a script based on that, which it ties into this. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's really the project. It's kind of a big project. Um, you know, I'm working with a, a producer to try to get financing for it. And um, we will see how that goes, but that's a, awesome. that's been my big thing right now. Cool. I totally look forward to that. I want to say thank you for coming on. I want to have you, if you don't, wouldn't mind coming on again, I'd love to have you on again, especially after that comes out. We get that promoted for you because it's going to, you're going to be awesome. Uh, I've had a great time. I'll be happy to be on anytime, man. Cool. Excellent. Cool. No problem. So, but thank you so much again. Like I said, just hang around in the back if you want to talk. I don't know if you have to run or anything, but uh, we'll talk to you in a few. Uh, I'm here, yeah. man. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jude. I appreciate your time. See you later. Guys, take care. All right. Wow, man. I'm so happy that you came on. I tell you, man, such a great guy. And I love how he jokes with us because a lot of guests, when we joke, 
they get kind of like nervous, I think. But Jude was like, "Yep, I'm all about it." So, it was uh, totally who's joking? <laughs> well, thanks, thanks, thanks. Did you like that one about Titanic? Yeah. What about? I want to say, Joshua, thank you so much for sticking around. Um, and you know, so happy you're following your dreams. Thank you so much for that. I try to tell everyone to follow their dreams, and also, you know, I'm so happy that Judas followed his dreams and became an independent film artist or filmmaker. I mean, and you know, all the stuff that he's doing is absolutely amazing. So please check him out on all social media platforms um, to stay informed with his work. He will be back on though. We will make sure of it and um, to promote what he just talked about um, when it comes out and he's finished. Um, but just want to say thank you, Joshua, for sticking around, and anyone else absolutely. who's watching. Um, and, uh, you know, you've watched another episode of Talking with the Source. So just want to say thank you guys for uh, sticking around. See you later. But, hold on one second. If I can, you know, there we go. Ha, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>